When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Tribe of Two, the officially unofficial podcast for all of Star Wars. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're back to close out our coverage of season one of Ahsoka. Uh, Aaron, I feel like I'm ahsoka out. I feel like I don't know what to say about this show. I, I uh, Last episode took a lot out of me. So I'm hoping that there's something that the audience wants to say here so much this is a big big mailbag uh so big we probably won't be able to get to everything but uh there's a lot of interesting thoughts a lot of things i thought were uh interesting defenses or explanations into the felony aspects of this and uh things that maybe disney can do different things that maybe we have too hastily judged and need to go back and take a look at there's just a there's a wide wide gamut of people uh traipsing on our yard uh, setting up shop, decamping, all kinds of movement in and around the yard. Let's mm. get right to it. Um, before StarWarsAtBaldMove.com is how you get in touch with us for Star Wars related things. And I, I thought maybe we can start with what are our plans for the Tribe of Two going forward? Yeah. Uh, what? How does the the get off our yard philosophy intersect with us actually covering things that Disney is making? Well, there's one that is guarantee. Uh, and that's Andor. When Andor comes back for a second season, I will be there to watch it, and I'm sure we'll be there to cover it. It's slated for August of 2024, which seems pretty crazy. Uh, I, I don't think this is updated since the writer strike, so maybe that's more of like early 2025 now. But yeah, for sure, we will be here day one for season two of Andor. We'll probably, I actually think we should do a rewatch like leading up to that. You know, that might like, be a good like, idea. Yeah, we have we used to do that a lot. I think that would be because mm-hmm. I, I feel like that was a missed opportunity for us to get to season one. So yeah, like probably 10, 12 weeks before Andor season two comes out, we'll probably spool out that stuff. But at the bare minimum, we'll be covering uh, season two. Um, Mando season four I think we yeah. would uh, like I, I feel like we are in a pretty good spot with the coverage of that show uh, I'd mm-hmm. like to keep that coming um, there's a few things that I don't know about like the Star Wars skeleton crew I like Jude Law yeah me too but it's I'm the, not the description it, like, of the plot feels very kitty. yeah but the pitch of like Goonies as seen through the Star Wars universe, okay, I, I think like that uh, yeah, like those might be two great tastes to taste great together. I, I just don't know. I you know, um, there's Star Wars: The Acolyte, which, as my understanding, this is the first kind of live action that's set within that High Republic period that we got turned on to a couple weeks ago. This is Disney going like a hundred, hundred fifty years before the Phantom Menace, where the you know at the at the height, you know, the High Republic, the height of the the old Republic. Mm-hmm. The kind of tell non Skywalker stories. Um, I, but those are not, those would be like 
first day covers. Those would be me highly skeptical that they're going to work, but I'll check them out. Uh, and or Mando is the only thing that I know for sure that I'm interested in covering going forward. So yeah. uh, I guess be on the lookout for those. We're not interested in Jedi protocol. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for your training, Padawan. Here's more Tribe of Two. Uh, let's get to the feedback. Uh, first up, we have Gene. Jean says Sabine did what she did because the galaxy would be better on balance with Thrawn and Ezra in it. While Thrawn is a negative five for the galaxy, Ezra is a plus eight. Yeah, you're bringing back a military genius, but you're also bringing back the guy who defeated him at least twice, the two-time Thrawn defeater. The other guy, Mm. the other side gets Napoleon, but then we get Wellington and Nelson. It's a very British-centric that I half understand. I'm not not up on Wellington. General uh, Beef Wellington. Uh, right, I like his... Lord his, Horatio uh, Nelson dinner, but... I'm a bit more familiar with, but um, what, what do you, Does it what feel do you like think that? Of... I, I don't, so I know nothing of Ezra. I'm not, I'm not impressed by the name Ezra Bridger. Um, and what we've seen so far, he seems like he's not as powerful as Ahsoka. Um, yeah, he seems fine. He seems like, oh, we got another Jedi, but I don't know that another Jedi is is a pawn as big as the grand admiral reuniting the remnants of the empire i it doesn't feel like that to me as someone who's not seen ezra bridger bridger's work yeah we'll have some more feedback that kind of makes that point for us but uh gene says unlike ahsoka and many star wars fans sabine doesn't believe in the great man theory of history Sure, he may cause a lot of havoc, but another warlord would be doing it in his place. What's a blue guy with well, no then special how does powers she believe going to in do? Needing Ezra Bridger to that's her. Just, she him. doesn't care. Like, she just wants. She just wants her just friend. Wants her friend. This is a oh, gene yeah, argument. That's clear for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know because, like, I don't know that I buy that uh, Thrawn's only a negative five and Ezra's a right. plus eight. Yeah. Um I, I have not I mean, seen that. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like another Star Wars example where this would have, and then yeah, the great. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like if if they were playing with like the great man idea of history versus like inevitability of social trends, I think that would be interesting. But I don't really think that's what Fellini's doing. No, definitely. You not. know, Star Wars definitely thinks the great men and women part of history. Like, there's literally mm-hmm. people with magic it's blood. built into the universe. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. what are the Jedi if not? 
the great man, you know, uh, the emperor, yeah. Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker is the the biggest example of the great man theory ever. Yeah. Uh, Diogo said, as the original Sabine paid no price feedback guy, I felt like I had to pipe in after some other feedback tried to defend her. According to that listener, from Sabine's perspective, Thrawn was no big deal. Some dude bested by a teenager, so Sabine wouldn't sacrifice herself over it. Might have been a defensible position had the show not shown us otherwise. Hera risked court-martial to stop the people trying to bring back Thrawn. Leia got involved. Half a dozen X-Wing pilots died. And even if you think there's no way Sabine could have known that... There are two things that Sabine 100% knows. Her friend Ezra sacrificed himself to get rid of Thrawn, and from Sabine's perspective, Ahsoka had not only risked herself earlier to stop it, but Ahsoka had died to do so. What they showed us was literally every other good character risking life and limb to prevent Thrawn from re-emerging. So either Fellini told the part about of the story about how dangerous Thrawn was wrong, or he told the uh, part of the story about Sabine's emotional investment wrong. Feel free to grab a beer and sit on the lawn. This side of the street, we use that fertilizer to keep the grass green instead of rubbing it all over the Star Wars mythos like the other side. Shots fired. <laughs> I think, I, I to me, this feels right, though. Like, yeah, you yeah. can't have it both ways. You can't have every other character treating this as if it is a galactic extinction event. Like, oh, my God. And, and they have told the story of, like, the Empire has these vast resources. They're just in disarray. They're just... Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're not they're not united the uniting force, which is Thrawn. Yeah. So it's like you can't have it both ways and say that, well, Thrawn's a paper tiger when Filoni is treating him as if he's the real fucking 5000 pound er tiger, uh, which I think is also that's my understanding of Thrawn and canon. I would be I, I, I've I've kind of let this happen in the feedback, but I, I, I would be I'm already at the height of get the fuck off my lawn. If you're suggesting a Thrawn is just some bumbling, dumb fuck bureaucrat like. Yeah, this the show doesn't not. have that perspective. The show yeah. views him as a very dangerous person. They do portray him as kind of a bumbling, dumb fuck in but especially that's down that late, bad, right? that's, last episode. Yeah, yeah that, that's not intentional on their part. But that's that's this is why I got gripped up when I saw that Filoni was putting his fingers on him. I'm like, mm-hmm. ugh. Anyway, Adam from Cincinnati, fellow Queen City resident, says seeing that Sabine is probably going to face zero consequences, interpersonal or otherwise, for releasing Thrawn makes me really think the show is intentionally being written with the kid show vibe. Though that lens, it makes sense uh, that no one would be upset with Sabine because the kids show moral would be no matter what consequences. Friendship is the most important thing or something like that. Sure. So sometimes I feel like we sell kids shows short. Um, like, and, and I don't think that everything has to be, but like I, I, I think about um, things like Adventure Time, things like mm. um, mm-hmm. uh, Avatar: Last Airbender, that like tells a whole story about war and la- loss and sacrifice, and there's a lot of shades of gray, and that like kids can understand it. Maybe kids should understand that. I think about Mr. Rogers, like Mr. Rogers didn't truck with this shit, like simple, you know, he's very gentle and patient and loving. Sure. But like they dealt with real things and he thought kids, you know, his, his whole theory is like kids are miniature inexperienced adults. Yeah. You can, you can interface with them like that. Uh, 
I don't like the like I don't like the, te- the 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 lesson from kids to get from their entertainment that like you know that everything's like black and white and some things are universal and absolute about only Sith deal in absolutes right yeah sure sure I'm not 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 a fan of like the like giving the kid show vibe a pass especially since like I I get I I also don't think I I think the tone they're trying to hit is family if if yeah, I yeah. I can deal with general audiences. Uh, I can't deal with like kiddie stuff. I don't want Power Ranger Star Wars, you know, or GI Joe Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I want, I want La- Avatar: The Last Airbender Star Wars. Uh, Mike from St. Louis said, "I'm pretty burnt out on this era, the Skywalker saga. Would love to see Star Wars either punt hundreds or thousands of years into the future or rewind hundreds of thousands of years into the past." These shows are so handcuffed by having to exist in the margins of the movies, it's almost impossible for them not to be super contrived. Add to this the fact that we now have to bend over backwards to incorporate hundreds of episodes of cartoons that the majority of people haven't even watched. It just seems like it's going to be hard to tell a natural story. With that said, with all due respect to many fans out there who ride hard for the Clone Wars and Rebels, I just cannot understand why they were made canon when Disney bought Star Wars. At that point, there were only six movies made, which totaled maybe 12 to 15 hours of runtime. Now you bring in Clone Wars and Rebels, and it's 80-plus hours combined. The majority of it had been made at that point. Disney's can became overnight majorly cartoon, which is an odd choice to me. I don't see why they couldn't have just been enjoyable Legends content that didn't ultimately impact the core story. I like some characters we gained, such as Ahsoka. However, the cost in terms of tone and content is too great in my eyes. Uh, hmm. This is I haven't heard anybody talk about this. The fact that like, oh yeah, yeah Disney threw away a bunch of the EU. But yeah, like we went from a canon of Star Wars being six movies to eighty percent of the canon of Star Wars being cartoons. Yeah, that's weird. Um, I wasn't super aware of the existence of the cartoons at that point, so. It didn't feel like that to me, but when you point it out, it's certainly true. I, I, yeah, there's something that bothers me about more of the established canon being written by Filoni than George Lucas. Than the guy who came up with the damn ideas in the first place. And yeah, like maybe the EU sits a little bit better because it's like everybody kind of taking their stab. It wasn't like even Timothy Zahn didn't like dominate that scene. Um, no, there's a couple like Kevin J. Uh, Anderson, Anderson. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple people that like definitely written Michael Stackpole, I think, is the guy that did the X-Wing mm-hmm. uh, Rogue Squadron series, Race Squadron. Um, but like everyone kind of had their little take, you know, where it's like now mm-hmm. we have had uh you know this this from one the mind of one man and then the mind of another man and this other guy is just now just like has this giant oversize and if you don't like Filoni's approach of storytelling then you just kind of feel lost and and it happened overnight right it was like the the switch was flipped and suddenly star wars isn't the the lucas story i mean it still was in my mind absolutely but if you look at it objectively now Star Wars is Filoni's story, and that's Especially weird. Fil- and Filoni's allowed to just go through and, like I said, cherry pick the best parts of the EU and make it his own. That feels weird too to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I 
maybe I just have to say, yeah, I, I'm I'm an old school Star Wars guy who liked the stuff that Lucas came up with initially and get off my lawn. Yeah. Because, yeah, that doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, I'd feel the same way of like, imagine like in Star Trek, if uh, some like Disney took over Star Trek and they had produced... 10 more episodes of the animated series, right? 10 more seasons of the animated series. Mm-hmm. And then they took Star Trek over and they're like, okay, only the movies are canon and and our animated show. Yeah. And like none of the TV series. And they did this before Next Generation or something, right? When you had the three seasons of of the original and then you you had like 10 seasons of, of animated series and they're suddenly yeah. like, wait, now there's more animated yeah. Star Trek than IRL stuff? Like, right. And they, they bring, scene? but then they'll have like characters like Ro Lauren, but they're not written the way you think. Low, you know, they'll they'll, they'll just cherry mm-hmm. pick and bring people here and there and back. And I don't know, it's 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 a weird situation. I can't think of any other modern parallel. It's you know, a company paid four billion for something and just did whatever the hell they wanted to it. Uh, yeah, it's like a half reboot. You know, the, the reboots are all the rage, and it's like, well, we don't, we can't, we can't reboot star wars right i mean the only thing more offensive than shit canning all of the eu and making star wars uh you know 80 percent cartoons would be to say that the originals are no longer valid i mean dude i'm actually i look over at hbo and see them green lighting a harry potter live action series it's going to probably (laughs) last Uh seven eight you know seasons and how that's just 20 years after like data fucking did the damn thing like yeah. i know some people have great but like that's it's it's a pretty good version it'd be like redoing uh, uh, peter jackson's lord of the rings mm-hmm. and i'm actually kind of surprised disney hasn't just like okay everybody we're just going to make a new hope season one and it's going to oh, be 10 God. episodes and we're going to go into the details of we're we're going to ride with Luke to the Tashi station to pick up power converters and we're going to Womp Rats and his T-16 big dark lighter is going to be we're going to spend six episodes of him bullseye and swamp rats and beggars canyon and I'm kind of shocked that they just haven't done that and then season two will be Empire Strikes Back and there'll be a whole spinoff called Luke, the young Republic kick captain. And I just, I I guess like, yeah, they could, they could do worse. They actually could do worse. I suppose. Yeah. But but I think, I think a lot of star Wars fans, a lot of star Wars fans would watch it would be, would, would give it it, their approval by putting their eyeballs on it. And that's, I would. Yeah. Like if I'm, I'm saying it's like, it'd be a wild idea, (laughs) but like if they got, if they got, if they could cast like a good Luke Han and Leia, yeah, I'd probably be in. I'd like to see more big dark lighter. I I don't want to know about uh, Jeb Porkins and the general Dada concern for you as a fan. All they care about is your eyeballs. That's it. Your eyeballs and your wallet. Uh, Matt says, hey, I'm 29 years old. I'm young enough to have seen the prequels in theaters, but old enough to remember seeing the OT films with my dad. I was excited for the sequels in college, but I have no interest in returning to them. I really have only known Star Wars to come in waves, both in quality and popularity, adding to the kids' cartoons, games, novels, etc. Has Star Wars just collapsed under its own weight? There are so many stories with different perspectives and everyone has their own ideas of what it should be. Even George had trouble finding the core of it with the prequels. 
can Star Wars even Star War at this point? That's a good point. Because, like, the thing is, is George came up with one movie. And it was Star Wars. <laughs> uh-huh. It wasn't called A New Hope. It was just fucking Star Wars. He didn't really do the others. Like... He did the others in as much as he did Indiana Jones. He came up with some cool ideas. He helped with some camera stuff. Um, he executive produced it, and that's it. Like, and I think we found when you just give George the reins to everything, mm-hmm. it's not exactly Star Wars either. Um, and that's what I keep. I meant yeah. like Star. It's, Star Wars is kind of a fluke that it worked, and then it's excelled at being a setting like that that like uh people could tell wild stories in um i don't know yeah yeah like what i don't know that star wars is beyond like what they did with the original trilogy i i don't know that i'm super interested in maybe i'm yeah maybe that's all i did maybe star wars is just luke leia and han to me <laughs> it might be it might be i so i look at what they're doing with star trek and I say it can be done, right? Like I can transfer and but again, a lot of that is relying on Kirk, McCoy, Scotty, uh, Picard, like a lot of beloved characters from yesteryear of Star Trek. Um, but it can be done. And I just think they're pulling it off way better. They've got these tracks in mind, right? They're not trying to get me to watch Prodigy as a 40 year old mm. man. They're saying, no, that shit's for kids. Don't worry about it. Um, They've got their comedy track with Lower Decks. They've got their, you know, very highly serialized thing with Discovery. And some people like that. Some people don't. With Strange New World, it's kind of back to the original. So if you're a fan of that, you can do that. Um, They're making it work way better than Star Wars ever has. I will say that you're right. Star Trek has successfully reinvented itself several times in a way that Star Wars really hasn't. Mm-hmm. But also, I think to be fair, if Star War, Star Trek: The Next Generation came out in 2023 and we were forced to sit through the first season, <laughs> we would shit on it and say, "My God, oh, yeah, my God, I and cannot maybe believe the second season, a good chunk of it. The second mm-hmm. season, we'd shit on that and be like, this is just hair. I cannot believe how bad.' And it's you know, and it's George Roddenberry. You know, it's George. I'm sorry, Gene. Um, yeah. Gene. yeah, it's Gene Roddenberry. Um. Yeah, I, I I don't know that we'd have the patience to let Star Wars evolve like that. Like, well, I didn't. Know, so, like the latest round of it with Discovery, right? Like, I checked out Discovery, which was kind Same, of the first yeah. of of the the what fifth reboot of of Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. I still haven't watched anything beyond that first season. So they 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 took a swing there they missed but they managed to get me back in with some other high quality stuff and i don't know star wars is still kind of hanging on with andor and mando like there's just enough there in mando to keep me watching and there's plenty there in andor and maybe that's fine like i, I, I that's the other thing i keep just like there's no other shows yeah, there's there's no pressure on us needing to watch these other shows other than like I guess it's coming from our small fan community that wants us to talk about Star Wars, but like yeah, yeah sure. I just that's that's something that's wild for me to say cuz like, you know, if you told me back when I was 17 that there would be essentially live action Star Wars on TV at a very big budget and you know had big Hollywood names attached to it, I would be like, "Well, then I'm the happiest I've ever been, right? I'm I'm dying happy, right?" Mm-hmm. Um 
it, it's just yeah that's but that's turns out that's not that's not the case but um and it's so weird because like the other thing is like when i grew up i had the expectation of when they would adapt something i liked they'd fuck it up you know like if it's a comic book movie sure. or uh a book video game or a yeah. video game i just it's like it was it's like well yeah obviously it's not as good as the book because you know it's a fucking movie adaptation it's a cheap cash in that was it's kind of like you know marvel I think changed that for me where it's like now I have the expectation of when my genre stuff is is adapted it's going to be adapted competently um, yeah. but like you know and I think there's also something that he's on about Star Wars being exhausted um, there's other people are going to like yeah, let's just keep on reading emails I guess I don't want to get bogged down in by any, by any <laughs> okay. one thing because all these thoughts are contained within within the sum total of fan, uh, feedback knowledge here um Matt, no, no, wait. Uh, Craig says, sitting beside you on your lawn with a beer in hand, I think this whole Star Wars franchise is in a tailspin it might never recover from. Ahsoka's been the perfect example of the state. It's got a great premise, a cool cast, some great things in it, but it's been undone with poor execution, poor writing, and basic Saturday morning kids plotting. It's telling that the two clear standout entries have had nothing to do with the Jedi or Skywalkers, Rogue One and Andor. I think what frustrates you and most of us in Star Wars is that it has so much scope and potential and to see it squandered for a quick buck with no thought is quite frankly heartbreaking. I'm no writer, but why have Sabine go down the whole story arc in the first place if it's not going to lead in anything? Balin could have easily snatched a map out of her hands. We didn't even need to have this at all. Yeah, uh, that's that's what I keep coming back to is like, you know, they paid four billion for this and they're just like, we're just going to we're just, this is going to be Marvel, but even better because Star Wars is bigger than Marvel. And they're quickly finding out what DC found out, which is like you can have great characters, you can have amazing like. I mean, Henry Cavill, I think, is the perfect Superman. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Uh you, you you spend hundreds of millions of dollars on on the, the the movie and it comes out and it's a it's a I mean it makes that's the thing it makes like a half billion dollars but they were expecting to make mm-hmm. a billion right like well why <laughs> sure. well because there's just like there's no heart and soul there there's no it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's anybody that really truly understands the property and like why fans are and 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 they because of the, they can't connect like they're telling a they're telling like like Zack Snyder is very good at telling a very small slice of the characters of Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and all that to a very small slice of the fan base that really admires that aspects of them but you know general audiences like it's just these are loud ugly films um, sure sure but yeah, it's like it's not it's not as simple as like getting like like Star Wars had like what I thought was they they hired these like very creative people. Uh they had excellent cast. They threw tons of money at the previs and postvis and special effects and it just it just doesn't have that heart. Yeah, I I don't have an explanation as to why it's not working other than the quality is not there. Like the the, the storytelling is not as good as you want it to be. And a lot of it comes from like I, I, I'm I'm trying to think. It's so much of the things that I do like about modern Star Wars are character driven. So much of the stuff I like about the original Star Wars is character driven. And in general, the stories I've said it here probably I've said it all over our podcast. The thing that I like about narrative storytelling is 
when they really sweat the characters. And Star Wars lately does not feel like it's sweating the characters, at least not enough, right? Um, what should be an incredibly dramatic moment for characters is brushed aside for what you would hope would be an equally dramatic plot moment of like, oh, Thrawn made it back, you know? Well, that's not where I'm invested. I'm not invested in the plot of stuff. I'm invested in the people. I'm invested in the characters. Like, I want to see Sabine suffer consequences for her decisions because that's what's interesting to me. It's not interesting that, you know, Thrawn's going to come back and, like, this is going to be so cool when we see things blow up. That's that's not why I watch television or movies. It's to get invested in characters and see how they personally adapt to and change because of the circumstances. That's what life is. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I just think they're missing that aspect of it. And as far as I keep coming back to, like, Star Wars seems like an accident because... It's easy to imagine that they got that casting wrong if, like, you know, oh, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, they hadn't, like, that that they kind of, yeah. like, sheer, sheer force of will and kind of likability and just, like, it factor. They made that shit work. Mm-hmm. And through, it's yeah, got I saved in editing. Luke it Skywalker, got saved by Johnny right? Williams' soundtrack. Like, there's a whole things that came together to make Star Wars work because it shouldn't have. Like, uh-huh. it really shouldn't have. And maybe we're just trying to recapture lightning in a bottle over and over again. And just there's not it's not easy to do. Um, Anne says, I'm generally a big fan and listen to many of your podcasts, including some of your recent Star Wars podcasts. I have always vehemently disagreed with your characterization of Obi-Wan as garbage and just as bad as Book of Boba. It always felt like a bit of a head scratcher to me, wondering if we were even watching the same show. However, on a recent podcast, you guys admitted, much to my horror, that you had not even watched Obi-Wan. So with all due respect, where do you get off casting such judgment on it? Well, literally everyone I've ever heard talk about it has said it's bad. I've never heard anyone say it's good, which is crazy. I want to hear what Anne says about it. She says, as a very casual Star Wars fan, that might be an explanation for the difference here. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but Mm. this is is one one thing that might be uh, standing out in my mind. Uh, for example, I had no idea who Boba Fett was. <laughs> Obi-Wan is easily my favorite show to date as it was the perfect bridge between the prequel and original series. You don't have to make my take my word for it. It was nominated for an Emmy for Best Short Series. Not that I expect you guys to respect Emmy nominations, but can you imagine any world in which Book of Boba would be nominated? You've complained about wanting good character dramas, about characters that you care about, and yet haven't watched the, sh- the, the one show that delivers on these. It was a touching examination of Obi-Wan's broken state of mind after losing the Clone Wars, going into hiding and dealing with his his sense of guilt and shame for what happened with Anakin, a portrayal expertly delivered by an A-list actor. It also fills in one of the original plot holes all from the main story, which is why he only kept tabs on Luke growing up and not Leia. As a coherent plot, clear character motivations, and actually complete self-contained story with a satisfying resolution. Uh, my only complaint was it was probably have been better as a movie, as the rumors say it was initially planned to be. John Williams even came out of retirement to write Obi-Wan a theme, which was perfect. And there's another one. There's another one where I think I heard the same rumors that this was a two-hour movie that they blew up into a six-hour miniseries when the, the upheaval of Disney, and that also is another one that gave, that, that, that gave me pause. I was like, well, that sounds like it's it's not great. 
Anyway, why I can't force you to watch it, and you very well may not like it given your general crotchetiness with all things of Star Wars, but until you bother to take a Saturday afternoon to binge the six episodes, please, please, please shut up about it. It's really unprofessional as guys who talk about TV for a living to talk authoritatively about something that you haven't watched. I don't know, man. I don't think it's unprofessional to say Star Wars is in disarray and we've heard that this is not anything different. Like you are literally the first person since we've been saying these things that have like taken umbrage at it. But I'm open minded. I'm open minded to be wrong. I actually one thing I do to test is I like doing polls on Twitter. I did a real quick poll when I got this email and I said, I'm hearing that we're out of line with our Obi-Wan series opinions, which that it's Book of Boba level garbage. What I'm hearing is it's great, actually. It got an Emmy nomination. It's sitting at about 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is true. We haven't seen it, so we're just going off reputation. Your opinion, Obi-Wan, is 13.8% of the Bald Move community says good Star Wars, actually. 39.8% says okay, but it has issues. 32.2% says bad, but better than the Book of Boba Fett. And 14.2% says bantapoodoo. It's almost a perfect... (laughs) distribution uh of opinion and to me it's like maybe i need to say that obi-wan is not bad as bad as book of boba but i feel like it's fair for me to say obi-wan is probably not something that i would like better having seen six hours of it it feels like it's mediocre star trek or star wars and i just don't want to watch mediocre star wars i'm not that big of a fan anymore that's fair I, I think that's that's a respectable opinion um i will say nothing i say should be taken as authoritative uh and b yeah everybody i've heard and i've heard it from trusted sources people who whose opinion on television i respect have told me personally that it's not it's not good not that it's yeah, garbage. Couple- Nobody has said like, "Oh, this is worse than Book of Boba Fett." But yeah, if it's worse than like season two of The Mandalorian, I don't care about it. I don't want to watch it because yeah, that's like my threshold. If you can't hit that level, I don't have time to engage in whatever you're you're putting out there. And from the impression I've gotten from everybody I spoke to, it's not hitting that threshold. Yeah. And there's a couple I, I, I edit the email, but she also intimated that maybe we'd fallen victim because I, I did see like a Rotten Tomatoes 80 uh, percent audience score of like 45 percent. And usually when I see that, I suspect some culture wars bullshit, you know, uh, when critics like something a lot Obi-Wan? more. I don't I, I I heard that it's got a black lead actor. Um, and that's enough. <laughs> oh, heaven that's enough. To, that's enough Jesus. to trigger some people. But also, I hope the people like I, that's not. That's not where I come from to criticize a show. I don't. Yeah. The people that are making that criticism, they don't even hit my timeline. Like, no, I've I don't heard see it's about shit. bad characters and yeah. it's about loosely it or very cheap. poorly connected plot lines. Things don't yeah. make sense and in the same way that conceived. like the Ahsoka stuff doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And like the people that I'm listening to and I'm telling like I'm not going to like, you know, fucking the quartering or shitty uh 25 year old guy youtuber x i'm like yeah these are like you know some of my professional colleagues that are, are better than that so uh, we, now double t for melbourne has an uh, uh, a suggestion that i might take him up on it says i noticed you guys mentioned a few times you have no interest in obi-wan series since you've heard it has some good stuff but also a lot of bantha poodoo to wade through 
You're in luck. There's an awesome Star Wars movie waiting for you to watch, and it's called Obi-Wan the Patterson Cut. Professional filmmaker edited the five hours of showdown to two and a half hour movie. It's great. I highly recommend it. Hmm. Um, that sounds like if you actually paired the actual Obi-Wan film out of the five hours of Sabo, that might. Yeah, I, 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 I might do that. <laughs> I think you could do that with almost every Star Wars property that's come out since. <sighs> a lot of the Marvel stuff, too. Like, it yeah, feels like a lot of the Disney Plus, the first and last episodes are the only things that matter. Yeah, or at the very least, you could compress the middle section quite a lot. Quite a bit. Put a corset on that thing. But yeah, I might check that out if, uh, uh, and then uh, report back later. Uh, Marcus says, I just want to go say that even though it's been a roller coaster of a season and I'm glad you all had fun with the get off my Star Wars lawn bit, it made me laugh every time, even if I disagree. But I have to say, after watching Ahsoka finale, I was pretty surprised at how negative a lot of the criticism was, even as it seemed like a lot of the fandom initially enjoyed it. On my initial watch, I loved the episode, but definitely had a few problems, questions, such as the Sabine problem, the lack of real consequences for her and any reckoning with her actions are maddening. This lends itself to a second problem, which is the writing related in the broad sense. Joanna Robinson had a great discussion on the House of R about whether Filoni is really capable of writing an entire season of television on his own and creating something truly captivating and emotionally gripping that also makes sense. I want to I want to go find if I can hear her talk about that, because that mm-hmm. it, it makes it seem like Dave Filoni is really good at like telling these soaring narratives and like the the relationships with the characters will work if you kind of go with it. But you just kind of have to maybe check your brain at the door and roll out a lot of like, well, I guess there's force wolves and there's Man, I can't I, I just I, that's can't. the thing. Yeah, I'm too engage with the content. Because there's also there's like, <sighs> I and it's not true. I can look. I love zombie movies. Maybe I just need. Maybe my Star Wars lens just needs to be adjusted. I I just need to say all of this is stupid. None of it matters. Let's just go in and look for the fun. Because right now I'm not finding much fun because I'm so busy looking at the plot and the yeah, lack no, Star- of character I, I think- development and shit. Yeah, Star Wars is in this weird place where it's like not fun enough for me to just turn my brain off and be like, whatever, yeah. rule of cool. Yeah. Um, and not smart enough where I can take, if I take the plot seriously, I'm rewarded for it. Um, and there's a rare exceptions like Andor, obviously oh, yeah. checks all those with flying colors. Uh, I think uh, Mando works because it is kind of fun and you're not, you know, once you got Baby Yoda in there, you're not really supposed to take it that seriously. But like it is, you know, and and that's why I'm saying like that's it's hard to find that general audiences where you can have people seriously take like Luke in the throne room with Vader and that like connect as an emotional moment, but also, you know, have the C3PO running around saying stupid shit. And I, well, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a hard shit, but not it's, not Jar Jar stepping in piles of it, right? Like yeah, th- yeah. that's there's a level of humor that appeals to children like the slapstick stuff you know and then there's a level of humor that appeals to adults and i think there's some middle ground there but boy they have a hard time finding it george looks became a dad and he's got infected with dad humor i guess i mean i like things where people step in shit occasionally <laughs> but i don't know i also like 
things that appeal to my brain. Anyway, back to Marcus. He says, again, on first watch, I really liked the episode, and it's not until I started diving in critically that some of these themes came undone, and I wonder if it's maybe because it's not my job to podcast about these things. So it's easier for me mm-hmm. uh, and your audience to enjoy these properties that might not hold up under scrutinizing eye, but still hit emotionally in a lot of the right Star Wars places. Thought the episode was fun. I love the duel between Ahsoka and Morgan. I'm hyped about the Mortis gods coming into play and Ezra being in the Stormtrooper armor is honestly just a dumb callback to his rebel days. Ultimately, I'm he- uh, I'm here to say it's been fun listening to you over the season of ups and downs, but the lows have not canceled out the highs for me and I'm excited to see what's next. Honestly, I'm happy for the fans who are happy with Star Wars. I wish I was there with you guys. And I don't think you're be- I don't think I'm better than you. I don't think you're worse than me. It's just you know, uh, and I think there's a lot of what you say about like um, Better Call Saul is a pretty awesome show that I got so fucking tired of covering because it has a glaring flaw in my mind, which is it's atrociously paced. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, when I'm watching through when I was watching through season four and five at three, four episodes of pop. I didn't notice that so much. Or if I did, it's just like, Jesus Christ, it's one of those episodes where I'm going to watch Mike change his underwear for 30 minutes. Uh-huh. But but like, I, you know, I, I, I not having to watch it two or three times and then spend an hour compiling the feedback and then arguing with people about it. And then, you know, it's like at some point you'd have to as a as a critic, you either have to say, I'm going to stop talking about the things that bother me. Or I'm going to have to stop watching the show because what I can't do is for three seasons drone on about pacing and pacing, pacing, then the fans turn on me, right? And you know, maybe we might get there at Star Wars where it's like there's more people wanting to fuck around with the yard and we just have to withdraw. I I don't know. Um, I, I, I guess we're still early enough in this Disney thing that I, I still think they can write the ship. I And I want them to make everyone happy. I don't want them to make brutal Goodfellas type Star Wars that scare kids only. Sure, sure. sure. And I, don't want them to do fucking caravan of courage only. I, I want them to be able to, 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 to do both things well for, for all their audiences. And maybe that's asking too much. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, podcasting about this stuff changes my relationship with it. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm pointing out in the podcast, I would look at as a viewer if I weren't doing this and just say, Oh, that was stupid. And I continue to watch it. Right. And, and I, I probably wouldn't care nearly as much, but when I have to get, when I have to formulate an opinion on something and then I have to justify it to millions of other fans who are going to have varying degrees of relationship with the property, mm-hmm. it becomes an entirely different thing. Cause then I'm thinking about things. Then I'm, then I'm forced to think about things. I have to think about, okay, why don't I like, you know, Ahsoka going out on the wing of her ship and doing a somersault in space. Mm-hmm. Why don't I like that? Because I have to explain it to you. I can't. I can't just say, right. "Yeah, didn't like it." And it's Wh- also which the other I would thing do as a viewer. The, the other curse of this podcaster that we, Jim and I, have noticed is it's like if you like ninety percent of something and you dislike dislike ten percent, it's way easy to say you like something. You just say, "You know what? What Ahsoka went on that that wing of that starship and she deflected the lightsaber beams. It was thrilling and awesome and I like lightsabers and it made her look so cool and I thought it was fucking awesome." If I don't like that, I have to explain why I don't like it. I don't have to justify why I like things, you know, but like <laughs> it so it's like sometimes like you do, it, yeah. if you like 90% and dislike 10%, it it sounds like it's 50/50. 
because it takes you yeah. twice as long to explain the 15% you don't like, right? That's another phenomenon. It's it's And if it's 50-50, I don't like it. It's going it to feel sounds... like 100% garbage. Yeah. Because, like, Ahsoka's not a garbage show. Like, I quite liked it no. up until kind of the finale, right? Like, I was kind of pleasantly surprised. And the finale is the one where it's like the, the wheels kind of fell off. And, and, made, and it's, but like, yeah, but it, it makes it seem like, you know, when we're screaming and I'm yelling and screaming and doing get off my lawn, which I, I'm mostly doing do theatrically. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing a bit. Like, I don't really care that much. Um, <laughs> But the things I do care about, I can't be half cocked and screaming and yelling because, like, I, I'm trying to be persuasive to people, right? Right. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm giving myself the license to be kind of a crazy person in this show because it's it's funny and it, it seems like it resonates with people. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if we get a hater fan base or they're just relentlessly shitting on everything. I'll probably regret it. But yeah, yeah it's it's mostly mostly in in good fun. I don't take any of this stuff seriously. Um, all right, we only got two left. Uh, David says, I think you're missing the forest for the trees here. Most TV is shit or becomes shit for stupid reasons. Game of Thrones is ruined by its final season. The Witcher is ruined by not following a successful template. HBO has put some real turds forward recently. Netflix cancels almost anything after two seasons. And Disney can't seem to get more than one decent series going at a time. The writing just isn't there. That being said, the trees in the forest are missing is that most TV is a vast wasteland of bad shows. So anything close to decent, or in this case, nostalgic, you cling to. For seven episodes, we watched Ahsoka and loved it, just to watch some shit to bed with stupidity in the finale. But what other options are there? Currently, I'm watching Loki, and that's it. The network TV shows are pretty bad. I don't want to watch the idiocy of The Idol or HBO's The Lakers series. Hey, that fucking show was fire, and it's a damn shame it got canceled after second season. What time? Yeah. yeah, winning time was awesome, actually. Uh, Star Wars was abysmal, and I stopped after the third episode. Oh, sorry, Secret Wars was abysmal. Most of the stuff on Netflix or Prime could be written by us. Um, I'm not saying that there aren't gems like Watchmen or Mindhunter, but those are few and far between. Most seasons don't even approach that bar. Hence, you get people watching shit shows because quality TV isn't around as much. I think you mm. both stated that these shit shows were to fall to viewers that keep trying uh uh, keep tuning in to shit TV and you're right but Book of Boba, Secret Wars, Ahsoka and others were true disappointments uh, but with Watchmen and things like Mindhunters cancelled and having to wait years for Andor I don't see how true fans of quality TV can stop watching lower quality of writing shows. With all the horrible shows out there and so very few quality ones to watch what is a viewer to do Oof. the thing I'm afraid of honestly the thing I'm afraid of Dave is they're just going to stop watching like we have lived in a golden age of television for like the last 10 or 15 years where there's just an explosion mm-hmm. of quality and there's so much good stuff and we've kind of gotten spoiled, but we also have a real glut where it's like, instead of just having like, when I first started covering this, you had to pay attention to AMC and HBO everybody else was just still doing the network TV style bullshit. Then Netflix came out and they dumped everything in one day. And that was a challenge. Now there's like just the stuff that I've had to pay attention to this year. That's done good stuff that I want to cover Peacock and Paramount and Apple and HBO max. Now still Netflix, Amazon prime, uh, FX, Hulu. Mm-hmm. That's like eight, outlets and that's just a top tier cream of the crop like keeping that beast fed is 
making is kind of a glut like it's like the old atari video game crunch where it's like yes. this thing was so popular they want to make more and more and more but there weren't that many talented people working there wasn't that much like genuinely good ideas that you could execute with a single stick and a button and mm-hmm. they just made started making crap and then the whole industry collapsed and as someone that rides on top of that industry i see it happening but i don't know what to do to stop it you know uh, and, the, and the industry as a whole is chasing a high too i mean not everything can be marvel not everything can make two billion dollars you know within its first year of release not everything yeah. needs 10 episodes of a series to justify it being on a platform to make to keep people subscribed they're chasing the high of it it's a the pandemic i mean the pandemic as far as entertainment goes was this bonanza unlike media companies have ever seen people were at home watching things playing video games unoccupied by everyday life concerns because they couldn't have their everyday life and so now we're coming down off that we have yeah i i vehemently disagree that there's not anything good that it, that television has gotten worse i think exactly. if you're talking about genre stuff you might be right but maybe, like but television as a whole is as good it's as good as it's ever been um and better than it's ever been beware the sith we will return are you hearing voices too welcome back to tribe of two but you do have this like <laughs> it, there's this weird race to the top and race to the bottom going on at the same time. Everybody wants to be Disney. Everybody wants to have properties that make billions upon billions of dollars. And so they're remaking everything. They're rebooting everything. They're adapting everything. There are very few original amazing stories being told, but they are out there. And you've got this race to the bottom where everybody has to feed the beast of the platforms. Like I, Netflix has to have five new shows coming out every week to keep people subscribed. Otherwise, they lose their funding and the whole thing just spirals into nothing. So you're in a weird position, certainly, with media. But I don't think that equates to we're not getting good content. We are. You just have to search through the heap a little more to find it. Uh, and at the same time the heap keeps growing right yeah and like um and and yeah I, that's the thing it's like because like I, you asked me what are the viewers do like what i i just stop watching television when there's nothing i feel like there's worth watching you know yeah i feel like I'm a lot super of people worried about that yeah they'll go to video games they'll go to youtube they'll god forbid read a book i don't know um but like this this uh, the idea of like everybody's just going to sit and watch three hours of TV a night, no matter what. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just I read a report that too many options nowadays. I, I just read a report that Americans spend more than 50% of their waking hours engaging in entertainment, which is kind of wild when you think about yeah. what you do with the other 50%, which is fucking work. Like, so you're either working or being entertained. Where do you get your chores done? Where do you get like, quality time with your family like at some point this feels like it's it's and i talked about this earlier this entertainment that that fandom is kind of being shoved down our throats so much uh that we're just going to get full on it and we're going to just regurgitate the whole damn thing 
and there's going to be this huge backlash against the idea of sitting down and being entertained and and claiming that like I'm a fan of this thing. Hmm. Yeah, I do wonder because like, that's a, that's just a return to norm, right? People used to yeah. watch television and enjoy it, but not be like obsessed with it in the way that we are that they're you wouldn't collect merchandise and and making that their identity right and like i i feel like and this is a reaction to and this is a so this is like a pendulum thing like this is this was a reaction like the fact that you got like 47 year old men like myself with darth vader t-shirts and you know Mm -hmm. funko Mm -hmm. pops on their in their living room is was a reaction to our fathers who the second that they grew hair on their balls put away their baseball cards and their comic books and Mm -hmm. you know like that's that's kid stuff you can't do that anymore and like honestly there's probably going to be an over you ever see like the red letter media when they do the star wars crew parody and it's like all these guys are just like over the top man children decked out with nothing but Star Wars clothes and their all their shelves are groaning with Funko Pops and Rancor figures and all that stuff and they're just they're just like just uncritically enthused at everything that's coming down and that yeah there'll probably be an overreaction to that uh mm-hmm. where it's like you know we'll go back to Okay, maybe we can enjoy kid stuff when we're adults, but maybe we don't spend seven billion dollars on merchandise or whatever it is a year. I don't know, but maybe we're just in a correction. Maybe you don't make we're, it your identity. The receding wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and maybe that, not that's put real, Jedi like, as your state religion on an actual political forum or something. You know, <laughs> sure. If you're getting married, having your Jedi wedding. Look, it, I, I don't want to shame people who are doing that stuff either. I'm saying we're reaching a saturation point. And, you yeah, know, I it's real fresh for me, the guy who makes a living off of talking about pop culture shit, to say this. I get it. The irony is there. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like there's an oversaturation of it. Yeah. And it's not sustainable. Yeah. Uh, nothing is. Like, you know, it's like as long as there's a buck to be made, they're going to pump They're going to pump out that buck. That's and the then thing. eventually. They're chasing the. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we just said earlier that, like, like, I feel like as a fan, I'm being fracked. You know, no uh-huh. longer yep. just like whatever, whatever emotions come out of my heart on a fandom is like natural. They now have to like uh, juice it. When when you have fifty dollar action figures, I mean, look, wh- what do we do? An action figure is supposed to be cheesy, fun things that kids play with, right? Like an action figure for fifty dollars. Maybe maybe you want to buy one of those things, but you want to buy the whole collection, right? Because if you don't, are you yeah, are you maybe really even drop- showing your fandom? Maybe you'll drop eight hundred dollars on a Star Destroyer Lego, but are you going to well, do drop a thousand dollars on an Adot Walker next year and a thousand dollars on a Death Stare next and a thousand dollars on a year? Right? Yeah, because yeah, like yeah, they're still making year. money. Yeah, it's like that's the thing. It's like whatever your breaking point is, they'll find it. They'll find yeah, it. They will, because there's a, still a dollar to be made. So Alan is going to take us home here. He says to jump straight in. I like quite like the Soka, and I think it's a solid eight out of ten for me. It's not amazing. It's certainly an Andor, but I did like it. Been a fan of yours for a good couple of years now, and I think I find myself agreeing with you about ninety percent of the time. So I found myself questioning why I came away from a Soka with a much rosier opinion than you. I think it comes down to having different expectations, and I think as much as I appreciate and respect your lawn, I'm still over here on my other lawn. The mud patch, the mud hole, <laughs> slimy. My whole my the, lawn this the, is. <laughs> the Dagobah. We'll call it Dagobah. All right. We'll keep yeah. it. We'll keep it. We'll keep it Star Wars flavored. Uh, my relationship with Star Wars has waxed and waned over years. Let's just say the sequels are a mixed bag and move on. But it was Rebels and to a much lesser extent the Clone Wars that made me fall in love again. 
To me, it's a perfect bridge between the original trilogy and the world building of the prequels. I love the lore building and the sense of adventure and the characters have great arcs. It was like having a thing from my childhood back. Obviously, coming into Ahsoka with an affection for the characters and a familiarity to Filoni lore, Dathomir witch magic, Jedi Force, Netherworlds, etc., it colored my opinion going into the series. It's wonderful to see some of my favorite characters in the franchise in live action and have them be generally accurate to their animated counterparts. I think the main difference in our reaction to the series is that I have more of a familiarity with Filoni's tendencies as a writer. I share many of your problems with that with him. I think he can be a bit sloppy in logistical elements of the stories, and his character arcs aren't always as well told as they should be. What he's generally great at, though, is what I like to call jigsaw storytelling. He's really good at telling individual disparate stories, and it isn't until he has told a bunch of them that you start to see the patterns and how the plot threads interact and interweave like a you know, jigsaw puzzle. Hmm. A great example of this is Filoni has made a lot of hay around cloning in the past year or so. He had Dr. Parshing and Moff Gideon cloning stories in Mando. Meanwhile, one of the major plot threads of the Bad Batch set 20 years earlier has been the Empire trying to recover their cloning technology after losing it in the Clone Wars. Imagine this will ultimately weave together and lead into a sequel trilogy as a way of making the whole somehow Palpatine has returned thing less intensely stupid. And I, I want to pause here because this is something I pointed out with like what they're doing on Star Wars Strange New Worlds is like they're trying to smooth over and explain some of the rougher parts of the earlier canon and bring them into harmony in a way that I find really interesting and rewarding. So I think this is like if Filoni and Favre, Favreau set out to roll up their sleeves and like, you know what? We're going to redeem this fucking sequel series. By the end of this, you're going to think the sequel series is great. I think that's a worthy goal to set forth. Sure. But it's a hard one. Wow. Yeah, I can't imagine. But it's a hard one because there's but it's like, how do you turn the corner on Christopher Pike, who is an intensely sexist character as he's introduced in the old canon being like, what is this female officer doing on my bridge? Well, five years later in the strange new worlds era, every one of his bridge officers is women because he's somehow he managed to be sexist in 23rd century and learned his fucking lesson. They're trying to like, (laughs) you know, make Christopher Pike less of like a traditional sexist sixties man. Right. And doing Mm -hmm. traditional sixties sexist man redemption arcs with them. I don't know what that looks like with the star Wars, you know, like the somehow, but like, yeah, after trying to make cloning less stupid, um, that's a, that's a good thing they should be doing. I like that. Uh, this has also been done with Ahsoka. The last season of Clone Wars was released just after Mando season one and depicted the siege of Mandalore during which Ahsoka and Bo-Katan became buddies just in time for them to pop up as a major live action players in Mando season two. Even in this season, Ahsoka's episode five Clone Wars dream sequence worked because it wove together a decade of the character's history. I think this is why the shortcomings of Ahsoka show have bothered me less. The inconclusive nature of the Shin and Balin plots, the threat of Thrawn, the position of the New Republic, and the ending places of Ezra, Sabine, and Ahsoka. It all kind of worked for me because I never expected their stories to be conclusive. I went in with the expectation that this series would be a collection of puzzle pieces to a much bigger overall picture. I want to be clear that I think it's completely legitimate to not like this form of storytelling, especially after Dumpster Fire that was Book of Boba and a couple years of watching Disney's other big shared universe, the MCU, fray at the averages. I'm not even saying it's my preference. The mostly standalone Andor is clearly a country mile better than anything else the mouse has produced of late. What I'm saying is I think that this style of storytelling will continue to be the trend. We discussed last week that the corporate nature of Disney means that Star Wars shows will continue to be churned out and they will continue to connect. I do think this does play into Filoni's primary strength as a storyteller, though. 
To me, it's been genuinely great to see his overall Star Wars extended universe being built as a 15 or so year exercise in world building. As someone who dabbled a tiny bit in the legend stuff with the okay, so let's 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 start there. Yeah, I mean, when you lay it out like that, if that is his indeed his style of storytelling, uh, he does seem like the perfect guy to lead the Star Wars franchise forward in the manner that Disney wants to lead it forward, which is to interconnect just a quilt, everything one patch yeah. at a time, and right. they don't. You know, like, what do you do with one patch? It's not enough to keep you warm. Well, you just keep mm-hmm. put, sewing them together until they turn into a quilt. Yeah, that sounds like he would absolutely be the choice. And, you know, he is the choice from Disney. And but I don't like necessarily that's... not like storytelling like that. Um, I, I've seen that done in microcosm and and that can be rewarding. It's It's not necessarily the style I have a problem with. It's the quality of that style it's it's the it's not the form it's the quality uh i i don't know why i have to suspend my uh higher functions to watch one of these shows and and feel like it's a rewarding experience i should be looking at it it should be a fractal it should it should have quality on a fractal level right i should be able to zoom out and see what feloni's doing over the course of six series and five movies or whatever and say that's amazing and I should be able to zoom right in on one of his characters and say what did he do with this character oh that's amazing I should zoom in on a single plot point a single scene and say damn that was good and the problem here is I'm not able to zoom in beyond a certain level beyond like the thematic level and see any quality yeah, what I'm getting from this coverage of Ahsoka that we've done is I'm a little bit more kind of like blackpilled on Dave Filoni being the guy that I really feel good being in charge of Star Wars because like I thought maybe that this guy has got it, but he's just being pulled in too many directions. They're throwing too much at him at Disney, and I'm hearing from people who are familiar with his work that know this is kind of just who he is. Mm-hmm. And if the mouse doesn't, like you said, like maybe he doesn't do really well with logistics. Maybe you can hire a retired colonel from the army to shore up his military strategy. Like to me, it's like the mouse either uh, the mouse either has to realize that Filoni has strengths as a storytelling and weaknesses, and they need to find people to shore up those weaknesses, or yeah. people like me are just gonna just kind of go away because. I am a self-described lore horror. I've said this many times. I find it intensely satisfying to get deep into the lore and tease out the differences and try to reconcile those differences and try to retcon and come up with headcanon and all that kind of stuff. But like the things I like the most are where I feel like the powers that be care enough about that, that that is not a futile thing to do. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, that like like that they respect that they that they, that they not they don't retcon as willy nilly or they don't they just go off in this direction and that direction that they are actually trying to get it right and when they're not trying to get it right it just is an intensely frustrating it goes from being satisfying to being very unsatisfying it's like that I, I talked about that um, the TikTok video of the t- guy taking the baby toy out that has like all the you know, it's a ball that's got the the triangle that you put the triangle through, and it's got a circle that you put the circle through. And I'm watching some dude put squares through the circle and triangles through the 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 square. And I'm like, that's just not how you do it, man. But he's not playing with it wrong. He's just doing it in a way that's frustrating and confusing me. So like hmm. 
who's the asshole? Probably me for demanding that person, you know, color color in the in the in the lines. And other people are gonna admire the fact that he's being unconventional in shape sorting strategy. So, I, and that's the thing I just don't know. Uh, and maybe it's like I can only ever interface with some parts of Star Wars, like Andor, sure. and other parts is gonna drive me crazy. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's got to be my plan going forward because I don't want to drop a show like Andor simply because eh, the property at large isn't fulfilling me. I don't think I could ever get to that point. I don't think I'll ever get to yeah. a point where like Empire Strikes Back is no longer cool. The Andor sucks. No, you know? no. Although Andor season two could suck. I don't know. Maybe, but I have full faith in the creators of that. <sighs> but they don't want you know. But like, also, do I want to see Tony Gilroy just do Star Wars? Like, just like turn it over to him because like. He no. doesn't love Star Wars. No, no. Like he thinks that Jedi shit's dumb. And That's I what don't I mean. ever. Yeah, I, uh, no, I, I think you're right. You you shore up the weaknesses of the storyteller. If he is a great jigsaw storyteller, get him to do the overarching plot uh, machinations and yeah. the character, the thematic stuff, and have somebody else go in there with the nitty gritty and write the actual plot because he clearly doesn't care as much about the moment to moment plot beats as he does the overarching stuff. Yeah, um, and maybe I don't know. Maybe is there a way to like? Uh, is, is there a way to like plot a course between those two towers? You know, of Gilroy and Filoni. Can you like split the difference? Oh, I'm I'm sure because there's a pretty big gap there. I think you find someone in the middle. <laughs> um. Alan ended things with something I thought was interesting. It says, um, as someone who dabbled a tiny bit in the legend stuff of the Jedi Academy books as a kid, I would genuinely love to hear you guys talk more about legends canon. It's a whole part of Star Wars that I'm broadly unaware of. Could we get away, like on the off season, especially if there's like nothing coming up in, in early next year, could we get away with like a book club style I want a counter review? program. I want to do it while Ahsoka season two is on or while the Filoni <laughs> movie is out. I want <laughs> I want to counter program it. Yeah, we are we are fencing off the yard for real and we're uh, just going to we're just going to <laughs> manicure what we've got here. And um, that could be fun because I you know, look, I was fourteen when I read these books, but I like the Jedi Academy trilogy quite a bit. The Sun Crusher I thought was super fucking cool. See, and that's the thing is, because I'm about four or five years older than Jim, and I was already mm-hmm. getting to the point where I was starting to read like Tom Clancy and other and I'm like well that's you, is... why you were an heir to the empire guy right because like yeah you were a Zahn yeah dude. yeah like the Zahn like the, the, the me and Zahn was the north star and like I, but I liked a lot of that stuff and just like and I, I did devour all the Kevin G Anderson but I, I definitely felt like it was like a little <laughs> step down from uh-huh. some of the other stuff I've been reading but but yeah I, that might be fun to go back and do because I bet you could gun through those books so fast those yeah. prints so big they were never that big a book to begin with and you know just nah. do a sampling of like rogue you know rogue squadron do do one of the uh kevin j anderson maybe Bakura do or whatever truce uh, of Bakura, yeah uh-huh. so someone name checked that and one Don't of these and I, I didn't read it and i'm like fucking truce i like that one but see, yeah. yeah but it's got some weird shit like that's like that's about a lizard alien that was kind of like new to the star wars <laughs> galaxy that was using a technology to rip people's force souls out and power technology with it maybe god it's been like, so it's been 30 years if feloni if feloni started strapping if like if i hadn't read that feloni started strapping <laughs> dudes to gurneys and sucking their force ghosts out and putting them into tie fighters yeah 
Would I be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard? Or would I be like, oh yeah, tell me more, okay. Um, I don't yeah. know. It's, How much uh, does it make it's, it's, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to have us have to eat our own, smoke our own grass off this lawn. I don't know. I don't that know can if, be I, fun. if I would enjoy the experience, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, that's going to do it for here, uh, us here in the Tribe of Two. We will be keeping the feed on standby for the next time Star Wars comes back in a way that we want to cover it. Um, or we might do some book club style stuff. I don't know. Best way to keep up with us and all the things we're doing is social media, at Bald Move everywhere except for TikTok. We're at Baldest Move there. And if you have enjoyed uh, being Yard Guardians with us this year and you want to stick with us and to our uh, future um endeavors and get more content and less ads in fact zero ads you can do that by joining the club support.baldmove.com for more information there thank you thank you thank you i've had a lot of fun despite all the yelling and screaming <laughs> maybe because of the yelling and screaming maybe uh the, the I, <laughs> I i love the concept of the yard i hope we can keep it going in, in a somewhat positive direction going forward and uh, everyone that's uh, popped a, a seat on our lawn, everyone on the sidewalk, everyone on the other side, everyone in Dagobah, just listen. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, we'll find a way to see eye to eye on Star Wars sometime in the future. That's it for us for now. Star Wars at baldmove.com. If you got any other uh, last minute feedbacks, I might read. If you got any opinions on like what books you think would be good for an off season review. Uh, any upcoming Star Wars stuff you're excited uh, for other than the Acolyte and Andor Season 2, StarWarsAtBoldMove.com. Otherwise, have a great off-season, everybody. Uh, we'll be seeing you around sometime soon. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. May the Force be with you. Mm-hmm.